welcome to this episode of Public Service Psychology Now, where we keep you updated on some of the things that are happening in Division 18. I'm Tiffany, and I'm joined by Jen. And some of you may know 2021 is the 75th anniversary of Division 18. As part of recognizing that, we've been interviewing past presidents of the division to talk about what was going on in the division, as well as what they've been doing since then. Today, we're talking with Dr. Tim Carmody, who is president from 2015 to 2016. But before we talk with him, let me give you a brief introduction. Dr. Carmody served in the VA for 32 years prior to retiring in August 2017. He continues to volunteer at the San Francisco VA healthcare system, mentoring fellows in integrated mental health and in the VA Quality Scholars Program. He has maintained his volunteer faculty appointment in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at University of California, San Francisco. In addition to being president of Division 18, he has served as chair of the VA section, has represented Division 18 at the VA Psychology Leadership Conference, and is currently serving as our division's historian. So welcome, Dr. Carmody. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you, Tiffany. It's great to be with you and to participate on this podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so what have you been doing since you were president? Well, um, as uh, Tiffany pointed out in her introduction, I've continued to uh, volunteer at the, the VA in San Francisco and mentoring uh, fellows and involved with uh, as a quality scholar uh, emeritus with our VA Quality Scholars Program and um, have enjoyed my involvement and have had the honor of uh, serving as the, the current historian for Division 18 as well. But uh, retirement, uh, it's been <clears throat> close to four years now, it's hard to believe, um, has provided an opportunity for me to spend more time with family and friends, uh, traveling, and of course, until this past year with the pandemic and looking forward to getting back on the road again uh, in a year or so anyway. Um, I've also um, upped my uh, involvement with uh, um, in the, the, the political arena in the sense of writing letters to registered voters and and elected officials and being involved in various political and social justice uh, campaigns. Um, I've also been enjoying some fictional writing and honing my musical skills on piano, acoustical and bass guitar. So um, this kind of a nice well-rounded uh, lifestyle I've been enjoying uh, as, well as, as well as continuing my professional activities with the VA public service. Wow, that's that's actually really inspirational for the thing, all the things you're doing since since retiring. That's really amazing. Well, retirement uh, is an interesting uh, um, time of life, and uh, um, the uh, traditionally it's been seen as the end of something, and uh, I choose to view it as the beginning of opportunities for um, an expansive lifestyle. So. Uh, and, and enjoyment in the activities I've had uh, involvement in professionally, but also other personal passions as well. That's a great way to look at it, I think. 
Um, so what were some of the major issues that were going on in Division 18 or in APA or even in the country or the world that were impacting public service psychology during your term? Uh, so again, um, to set the time frame, I began my year, presidential year in August of 2015. And at that time, uh, uh, there are a number of uh, events, activities, uh, and issues going on affecting Division 18, APA, and, and the country more generally. One of them was the uh, uh, impact of the Affordable Care Act, uh, the law of the land at the time, and was being implemented. And the ACA provided lots of opportunities for health service providers, including professional psychologists, to expand uh, our involvement in public service in the SMI recovery model, preventive care, expansion of rural health services, and interprofessional integrated team-based care. The accountable care organizations and healthcare homes and array of integrated care practice models were rapidly evolving at that time and offering new opportunities for psychologists. In addition, technical advances including telehealth services and online practice management and electronic health records were changing the landscape of public service psychology. The growth of clinical practice guidelines, evidence-based practice models and quality reporting uh, systems challenged the way in which uh, public service psychologists thought about their psych providing their psychological services. So the implementation of the Affordable Care Act uh, was an important part of the landscape uh, for public service and public service psychology at that time. The, uh, another um, event that was happening was the uh, <coughs> evolution of the SMI, psychology specialty. Um, this had been led primarily by Mary Jansen, who served on the APA task force and was the founding chair of the Division 18 section on SMI-SED. The work of the SMI psychology specialty had begun back in 2012, and several members of Division 18 and the Division 18 <coughs> section on SMI and the APA task force on SMI provided support for the work of developing the specialty petition to APA. So the forward movement of the SMI psychology propo specialty proposal was something that uh, was um, making a huge impact on public service psychology in Division 18 at the time that uh, I began my presidential year. So we had the Affordable Care Act, we had the SMI psychology specialty proposal. Uh, and another interesting initiative that was going on, APA and the military and the Federal Public Health Service and a handful of state psychological associations, including Iowa, Illinois, Idaho, Louisiana and New Mexico, had made significant progress in the establishment of prescription authority for professional psychologists. And growing numbers of psychologists were training to provide prescriptive services. 
And Division 18 played an important role in the forward movement of this initiative in collaboration with the Division 55, uh, the Society for Advancement of Pharmacotherapy. So this was something that uh, was moving forward slowly, but in a stable way and had been for a couple of decades. And a number of members of Division 18 were a very, very important part of that initiative. So that provided additional context for my presidential year. Uh, but uh, what I would consider uh, the elephant in the room um, was another major issue and <clears throat> that APA was still emerging from the organizational, and I, I use the word crisis, uh, triggered by the Hoffman report. And as you recall, that report had concluded that some APA officials had colluded and that's the words from the report with important DOD officials to have APA uh, uh, issue loose or high level ethical guidelines that did not constrain the DOD in any greater fashion than existing DOD interrogation guidelines. And um, the, uh, there was a diversity of opinion about the context of the Hoffman report, the way it uh, was created and the results transmitted among members of APA and among members of Division 18. So um, during my presidential year with uh, the help of um, my two colleagues in, in the presidential cycle and the East uh, Executive Committee, I was committing to make sure that Division 18 participated in uh, respectful discourse as we reviewed the evidence and that was presented in the Hoffman report and the responses of those named in the report. Um, and uh, APA in general, and certainly in our division, we worked hard to stabilize ourselves as an organization and we reviewed all aspects of organizational structure, examined issues of decision-making, um, and an important area that I'll get into <clears throat> is the um, updating of ethical standards and the implications for that for uh, psychologists in public service, um, those working in a variety of public service sectors and operations, corrections facilities, national security, and so forth. So it was a uh, um, challenging time, an important time for APA. <laughs> and as crises of this sort, it either uh, leads to the uh, dismantling or, of an organization or opportunity for our organization to strengthen and to do better. And <laughs> that's the course I hope that, that uh, we embarked on. Uh, for overall APA and for the division itself. So um, those were some of the, the, the positive and challenging aspects of the context of issues facing Division 18, facing APA and the country at the time that I started my presidential year. Wow, so yeah, like a lot of growth and opportunity for psychology, but also like you point out a lot of challenges and some pretty significant issues during that time. Absolutely. 
what were some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of during your year? Well, as I mentioned, one of the um, issues that had emerged uh, uh, before my presidential year was the uh, forward movement of the uh, serious mental illness specialty uh, psychology uh, initiative. <clears throat> and I made it one of my objectives to really uh, uh, certainly not get in the way, and to, but to do as much as I could to support and, and um, uh, uh, all the efforts that were being done primarily by the section on SMI and the SMI Specialty Task Force. And uh, I was happy to provide support and make sure that there, whatever resources were needed uh, by those involved in this initiative that, that Division 18 provided. And ultimately the final petition to APA for the SMI Psychology Specialty was ultimately submitted in uh, 2018 and formally approved by the Council of Representatives with official APA recognition granted to the SMI psychology specialty uh, a couple of years after my presidency in August of 2019. And following official recognition of the SMI psychology specialty, the APA Council of Specialties extended membership to the SMI psychology specialty. And uh, Shirley Glenn, who followed me in this, the next president uh, served as the specialties representative to the Council of Specialties. So that was something that, that I made as one of my priorities for the, my presidential year. And was I thought it was also very, very important that in the post Hoffman era that we really focus attention on our mission in, in providing public service care to underserved and, and to the SMI uh, communities. And um, I thought this was important uh, rallying point for the entire division um, that cut across all of our sections, basically. And I was very excited and, and proud to really uh, support this effort uh, during my presidential year. So that, that was, so. Uh, Oh, one of my accomplishments. Um, and, uh, but as in all the things I was involved with, I never did it alone. Um, we had uh, the, the wonderful presidential trio, uh, Femina who preceded me and Shirley Glenn who, who followed me and tremendously uh, talented and devoted to members of the executive committee and um, so with that uh, teamwork, uh, we are able to continue uh, in another area. Then um, that was the uh, strategic planning that uh, actually had been begun and was the, um, uh, one of the priorities that the Femina Bargase had uh, initiated during her presidential year. And I definitely wanted to follow up on that. And we actually had at least three years of strategic planning. Um, it was interesting during our first meeting, uh, Rod Baker was our facilitator and initiated the uh, process. And during my presidential year, we continued uh, that strategic planning, focusing on the goals of, of 
what I thought was a very, very important priority and uh, <clears throat> defining aspect of Division 18, that we are a division, in my view, of the sections. The sections are the backbone <clears throat> of all the work that we do in the division and the overall mission of the division. And um, the, so one of our goals was to provide support and guidance, clarify expectations uh, for our section chairs. And um, uh, I um, made it a point to schedule frequent meetings for the chairs. So this was in addition to our uh, less frequent uh, uh, executive committee meetings to really um, make sure that each of the section chairs were <coughs> uh, able to share and, and ask questions about it and, and clarify what they were doing in their section and to learn from each other. So each of the section chairs had a, a stronger grasp of what the other sections were doing and could share and learn and work from and, and benefit from each other's uh, uh, the work and initiatives, whether it be in membership issues, budget issues, advocacy issues, uh, education, continuing education issues, whatever. And um, the, uh, as you probably know, these efforts to really uh, strengthen and support the section chairs <laughs> grew to our developing the idea that Linda Richardson then took and ran with during her presidency and developing um, the uh, descriptions, job descriptions, basically, of these positions. And um, the uh, important part of our organizational strength as well. So continuing the work of the strategic planning. And again, <clears throat> this was the second iteration. There had been an initial strategic planning uh, years ago. Uh, and then since then, there have been subsequent strategic planning, uh, focusing on budget issues and the mission and the mission statement for Division 18. So those were a couple of uh, uh, accomplishments. And one more, if I may. Um, Absolutely. Getting back to the issue of the post-Hoffman issue. Um, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, among our members, uh, there was, um, I, I saw two major camps, if you will, one, uh, or initiatives. One was a focus on our mission in providing care um, for the most uh, underserved and in our SMI communities. Um, and the other had to do with um, those involved with um, um, uh, operations and forensic work in national security, and um, the um, and I I can't say this was my idea to begin with. I was actually guided to, the, to and encouraged strongly at the beginning of my presidential year to make something happen. Uh, so what what was going on was APA following the Hoffman report established a panel of experts uh, known as the APA Commission on Ethical Processes to address ethical considerations for psychologists' roles in the broader scope of investigations and interrogations, 
including forensic psychology, police psychology, jury selection, military psychology, and related roles. So um, to make sure that Division 18 had a strong voice in these deliberations of these ethical issues. And by the way, history repeats itself and we learn lots of lessons from history. This was not the first time that Division 18 had been called upon. Uh, to um, make sure that the public service psychology was represented in the evolution of the ethics codes and ethical principles for APA. Um, back during the presidency and then and, and involvement of folks like um, Ed Nightingale led the way in, in making sure that we were well represented as during his um, uh, tour duty as a council rep. Uh, that was uh, 15 or so years ago. So, um, but uh, what we did was we formed the Division 18 Ethics Task Force and to ensure that public service and operations psychology uh, had a voice in the deliberation decisions regarding complex ethical issues. And uh, I was able to assemble um, a group of uh, stellar, uh, amazingly devoted, uh, uh, prominent Division 18 members, uh, Scott Allen, Joel DeBoskin, uh, Lamoris uh, Gardner, John Nicoletti, Steve Norton, Walter Pink, Herb Stewart, and the chair was uh, Jay Sepnik. So, and you can, you know, if you recognize those names, you'll see that we were trying to have all the sections, if possible, represented on this uh, ethics task force. And um, I remember from the beginning, uh, when I first met uh, Jay, <clears throat> I was so impressed with his knowledge of ethical issues for uh, operations psychology uh, settings, but also just his basic knowledge of the philosophical, theological, moral underpinnings of ethics in general, uh, just a brilliant uh, uh, thinker. And so he was the right person, I thought, to chair this task force. And one of the things that the task force did was um, uh, identify scenarios involving very interesting ethical challenges faced by public service psychologists. And uh, were uh, able to inform and and maintain um, lines of communication with our council representatives. Um, Dolly Sadow was just finishing her term and Clee was coming on board, Dave Corey, uh, to make sure to not only monitor, but provide input from public service psychology perspective on ethical issues. So um, uh, this was another initiative that, uh, um, was, uh, I was very excited to be a part of. I can remember as a member and also as somebody who worked in a hospital, a state hospital, I remember um, being really concerned around that time because thinking about the prohibition and then whether that could get extended because a lot of us work in settings where there is some form of coercive treatment like you know, people having to take medications when they don't want to, or people having to go to therapy or something under probation when they're not, you know, being required to do that and being worried at the time of like, 
are they going to come out and say that like none of that is okay and we can't participate in any of that um, and so that's i think that was really important i'm glad to hear that we had such a strong voice because i think that was probably really important exactly and to my knowledge i, I could be wrong about uh, uh, none of those fear uh, things that we feared ever transpire in terms of overreaching uh, because, <clears throat> and which was uh, a fear we had that APA in reaction to the issues around interrog and ex enhanced interrogations and torture and so forth, obviously, uh, the unethical practices that that uh, the and and the interest of um, the concept of do no harm also, uh, and what that meant for psychologists, uh, public working in in the settings that so many of our members do, so. Um, yeah, no, I think your examples uh, are, are um, uh, good to point out for sure. And yeah, yeah, obviously they were very, they were really successful because you're right, that didn't, that what people had feared didn't materialize and we still, it was still recognized that we can contribute in really meaningful ways, even in places where those kinds of things are happening. So it's really good. Uh, so what lessons did you learn about yourself or about leadership as a result of your experience? The, um, so when I think about lessons in leadership, uh, there, there are two categories in my mind. One is just leadership in general, no matter what the organization is, and then leadership specifically uh, uh, for Division 18. And uh, uh, so in that second uh, area, one of the things that... that um, um, really became clear to me was the challenge uh, of the nature of Division 18 as an organization uh, presented by the fact that it is an organization of sections. And so you have uh, these centrifugal forces, you have uh, the diversity, which is a good thing, <clears throat> but also all these various interests spreading membership out in different directions <clears throat> and uh, the importance of balancing that and nurturing the, the diversity of, of um, uh, care settings and, and initiatives in each of the sections and having a unified focus for the division. And this is an example where I thought the um, SMI psychology specialty really provided a nice example of something that cut across uh, just about all of our sections. And we had uh, 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 members, Division 18 members involved, uh, obviously from that section, the SMI-SED section, but also from the community and state hospital section and uh, uh, criminal justice and a variety of sections really mobilizing to, to really strengthen that initiative. And uh, again, getting back to the, our mission in terms of the care of underserved and marginalized um, uh, in public service, sec in the public sector. So um, balancing these two um, aspects of the division, the diversity in the sense of uh, interests and settings of the sections and the uh, unified, keeping a, a unified focus as well. It was a dialectic that uh, 
it's always going to be there. It's, it's built into Division 18. So whoever leads, whoever's the president, whoever the presidential trio and the executive committee uh, grapples with that. And <clears throat> therefore, again, another um, importance to, in my mind, to really support and provide opportunities for the section chairs to really work together, get to know each other, to be familiar with each of the sections. And um, which relates to another lesson I clearly uh, learned, uh, the importance of uh, having come out of the VA section leadership uh, and being a, a VA psychologist, the importance of really uh, doing my homework and, and making sure to understand um, all of the um, manifest and if hidden agendas uh, in each of the sections to really understand what was going on and, and what uh, the priorities were, the values were uh, for each of the sections. And um, um, a practice that I know happens each APA meeting in the hospitality suite uh, are the um, uh, making sure that the president and president members of the presidential cycle um, visit, visit as many and participate in as many of the section meetings as possible to really lay the groundwork for that uh, understanding of each of the, of the sections. And um, so it's something that, that um, I would encourage anyone wanting to be uh, a leader in Division 18 to um, um, make sure as they're involved in a particular section that they also are learning about what's going on with the other sections as well. Yeah, I think that that's really good advice. As you say, the sections, while we do have a lot of unifying things, there are, are also a lot of very uh, specific and unique concerns that each has. And so, yeah, getting to know that's a really good idea. Um, so there, 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 there are other <laughs> um, uh, things that I learned about and, and other advice that I would give. Yeah. Um, one is as well prepared as one might be <clears throat> um, things often come up that are unexpected. And, and one of the uh, um, sad events that, that happened, uh, someone that uh, has tremendous respect for her energy and passion was Lorraine Green, uh, who had been just uh, a dynamo in the police and public safety. She had been a tremendous uh, advocate in our, as a council rep, um, and she was actually elected uh, president-elect to follow me and uh, unfortunately and sadly um, died of a medical con condition um, and uh, very, very sad and tragic for, of course, for her family and friends and, and for the division and, and uh, all her colleagues who had so, so much uh, love and respect for her. Um, and uh, so it put into motion uh, uh, in the midst of grieving that loss, uh, uh, putting together the plan to, um, uh, for a special election to, uh, and, and, and Shirley Glenn ended up being the, the, the president elect in Lorraine's place. 
Um, so um, this was something that uh, hard to prepare for something like that. And you just uh, do the best you can to respond to the, these unexpected, uh, and in this case, uh, sad and tragic situations. Yeah, definitely. Well, what advice do you have for those seeking to serve in Division 18 leadership? How could, if people want to get started or want to do that, how could, what could they do? So, um, the, um, of course, I'm biased as the division historian um, that um, it's important to, to have some knowledge of the history of the organization. And, and Rod Baker has written some nice summaries of that. Uh, um, I believe we're going to be posting some of those works uh, if they're not already on the website. Um, but um, uh, you know, history does repeat itself and, and we have lessons of, of what works and sometimes lessons of what uh, doesn't work. And it's good, good to know what's preceded us and why and how we have become who we are today. It just didn't drop out of the sky. Um, and it just my example of the ethics issues that, that this is not our first rodeo in addressing those uh, perspectives for, for public service psychology. Um, and it won't be our last. And um, so um, to have an appreciation of the, the lessons from history is something that, that uh, but again, I'm biased as, um, functioning as a historian for the organization. Um, the uh, advice that I've heard um, on several occasions by past presidents and others is uh, re regarding uh, the presidential year is uh, to, to not uh, pick too many initiatives to try to accomplish, you know, two or three at the most, uh, it's not that there won't be other accomplishments that, that happen, but uh, to, to really focus on the, the top priorities uh, and um, the try, um, uh, trying to do too much sometimes can, can uh, get in the way of really accomplishing the highest initiatives and priorities in the best possible way. So, um, uh, I'm not going to take ownership. That's something that was told to me and I've heard from other presidents uh, uh, and would advise those um, seeking to serve in, in leadership roles to, to heed that, that advice as well. Um, so those are some of the things that, that uh, I would advise. Um, thinking back in my presidential year, it, it was important to really have a strong relationship with division services. And sometimes they did a nice job. Sometimes um, uh, there were some gaps in our membership reports and, and issues that, but if you have a strong relationship, you can, you can encourage them to do better in areas where they're, they're not doing what we hope that they would do. Um, so um, having a, a good solid relationship with the APA division services representative um, and is, is extremely important. And whether it be in dealing with uh, 
uh, elections issues, membership issues, APA convention issues, whatever. Well, uh, what do you see for the future of Division 18? Well, uh, don't prevent, pre pretend to have a crystal ball at all. And sometimes I mix up my hopes with my predictions. Um, the, uh, one of the areas that I'm optimistic about is um, the um, effort of Division 18 in, in um, addressing issues of uh, diversity, inclusion, equity. Um, again, this is something I've heard past presidents talk about as well in terms of <clears throat> the looking at the diversity of consumers of public service and then the composition of our members, membership, and, and how to increase that uh, diversity. So I'm optimistic that, that we're headed in the right direction. We have a long way to go. Um, and uh, I'm speaking as uh, a white male of privilege, um, but um, I just see this as a critical direction and uh, for the division. And I'm, I'm both expecting and, and hoping that, that we will show continued growth in, in this area. We have tremendously wonderful um, productive diversity committee, um, but as an organization and, and e with each of the section chairs and each of our um, uh, executive committee members involved. Um, the um, the um, I've, I've thought in the past about uh, what it would be like if each member, and we have what about a thousand members of the division roughly, yeah. give or take a hundred, um, if reached out to one colleague to, to join uh, Division 18. And uh, particularly if that colleague happened to be represent uh, um, uh, uh, the um, BIPOC or community of my uh, uh, minority community in one way or another, um, the division would double and increase its diversity composite, uh, composition as well. So something for all of us to, to think about, but I'm optimistic for the future of Division 18 as we address the needs of our vulnerable, most vulnerable population, which this COVID pandemic showed us again, the inequality and health disparities that we need to continue to address in our mental health as well as overall population. Yeah, absolutely. The, um, um, I, I think we there will be continued uh, growth and forward movement in the um, um, prescription privilege arena. Uh, one question I have, I don't know the, the answer to is, <clears throat> um, the, of course, the largest healthcare system in the world, the VA, uh, has not been in the, the picture. And, and, and uh, we have state associations, and we, we certainly encourage our Division 18 members to get involved at the state level where a lot of this is happening. 
Um, and uh, the, um, I remember reading a um, um, email from one of our uh, VA leaders who at the time was <clears throat> talking with one of the um, uh, VA healthcare leaders who was saying that the prescription privilege initiative in the VA, um, uh, psychology and mental health has been focused and a world leader in psychosocial rehabilitation, evidence-based psychotherapies, and doing tremendous work in, in, in translational and integrated care. And again, world leaders in, in these areas. And as more, and this is a quote from this particular uh, medical provider leader in VA, as more states get uh, uh, prescription privileges for psychologists, the VA will be possibly more and more interested in looking at that for psychologists in the VA. So time will tell about that. But whether or not whatever happens in that arena, I think overall, whether at the state level or in the military or public service setting, the prescription privilege uh, training opportunities. We lost the opportunity with our relationship with the Lyant University a few years ago, but uh, there'll be other training opportunities. And another uh, prediction is the continued thriving of our journal. Um, the, um, I can't uh, applaud enough the efforts of Pat DeLeon. Um, another little accomplishment uh, during my presidential years, we, uh, his term at the time was ending and we had the opportunity either to select a new editor or renew his uh, term. And we chose wisely as an executive committee to extend his term. And since then, I think it's been extended at least one more time. And I think right now he has another year or two left on his current uh, um, extension. But uh, the journal, you just can't argue with the success, whether you're talking about the quality of the content, reflecting the work of each of our sections of Division 18, uh, certainly the productivity and, and uh, profitability is uh, through the roof. It's just been tremendous, and I expect that continue, to continue. Yeah, the journal is fantastic, and we owe it, we owe it tremendous debt to, to Dr. Burung for, for doing that. It's been, the, the growth under his editorship has been amazing, and it's really become such a fantastic journal um, today, so that's really cool. I, I have every expectation that that's going to continue. So. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to interview to talk to us. Um, that wraps up our episode for today. Unless do you have any last minute things that you'd like to say? No, I just want to thank you and Tiffany. This has been delightful to um, participate in this. I'm very excited as we're celebrating our 75th year anniversary as an organization and uh, that these podcasts are continuing these interviews with uh, past presidents. I think that that's uh, been wonderful to, to be involved with. So thank you both very much. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been really interesting to talk to folks and hear about the history. Um, so thank you all for listening uh, to the podcast today. And don't forget to subscribe to us so that you get notified when we post new episodes. And we'll be back soon with another interview. So thank you.